I am so glad you're here today, and I trust that already you've sensed the presence of God as we've been worshiping in song and as we've been learning more about what it means to have a risen Lord as our Savior and King. It's really important during this season of, of stay at home and quarantine and all that that we remember that it is social distancing, but it's not social disconnecting, and we've got to stay connected. Let's be honest, guys. The crisis we're facing right now is unprecedented in our lives. And no doubt you felt the impact of it, even if you don't know anybody uh, that has COVID-19. We, we've all been hit hard. We've all been hit with the practical inconveniences of standing in long lines to get into Walmart only to find out they don't have any toilet paper or, or the emotional roller coaster of, of sorting the difference between fake news and real news and, and what's the difference and who's telling you the truth to the relational stuff associated with, with homeschooling for the first time. Thank God for teachers, huh? You know, and, and spouses being together, married couples who are used to having a little bit of time apart and now they're together all the time and they want to hug each other's next. It's just, it's a wonderful time and it can be stressful at times. To the personal choices that, that uh, quarantine often leads to cabin fever and people do really stupid stuff like, like cutting their own hair. I've seen people on Facebook that have done these stupid haircuts and say, it's okay because nobody's going to see me for 30 days. We're seeing you now on Facebook. It's crazy times, unprecedented times. The reality is that major crises bring major problems, but they also bring major opportunities. There's incredible opportunities. And hear me, I believe with everything in me that God is at work in all of this. Now, hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God brought this scourge on our planet, but I am saying that I believe God is using it to bring men and women to him. Frankly, I believe we brought it on ourselves. I believe that a lot of what's going on these days is simply because of Christians who have become complacent in their faith. They're going through the motions of go to church, sing some songs, shake the preacher's hand, check the box, and move on with their lives as though nothing has changed. Or worse, they're consumers who are going to the latest celebrity service or the celebrity preacher to consume an entertainment event, never really touching their hearts or their lives at all to the millions of people across our nation who, who are acting like they're self-sufficient, like they don't even need God, or, or worse, treating him like a waiter. Tell you what, God, I'll call you if I need you. When my water glass gets empty, I'll call you. But until then, you just kind of stay over there because me and my friends have got a good thing going on. Yes, I believe we brought this on ourselves. But hear me, our God loves us, and he wants us in relationship with him he wants to wake us up from our lethargy, and I hope that you're allowing him to do that even now. There's all kinds of statistical evidence to support what I'm telling you. That's just not just anecdotal ideas that I've thought of. I read a survey just this week from McLaughlin and Associates, a nationally known polling organization that said 44% of Americans today consider this a wake-up call to turn back to faith in God. 22% of self-identified non-Christians, people who said, no, I'm not a follower of Christ, will, are saying that they're reading the Bible more than they have. And they're watching online Christian sermons and Bible teachings on, on the internet. 40% of Christians are saying they're reading the Bible more than they ever have and watching more teachings and sermons online than they ever had. And in case you're wondering, <coughs> the percentage is about the same, whether you're talking about 18 to 25-year-olds or, or 75 to 80 years old, uh, the percentages are the same across the church. Hear me, God is at work 
bringing his people to him because you can't close the church. We are the church. And Jesus Christ is the king and the king is alive. So with the few minutes that I have with you this morning, I, I, I want to speak to your heart. I want to speak directly to you. I want to be, be bold, in fact, and ask you, give me 10 or 15 minutes of your time right now. Don't web surf. Don't, don't go get a cup of coffee. <coughs> Lean in with me just a moment because I believe I'm going to share a truth with you in these critical times that may one day you look back on and say, that was a pivot point in my life. That was a pivot point in my experience, a pivot point in my relationship with God. I want to simply pull a story from the Bible that's a really well-known story. It's one that, that people that have never read a Bible are familiar with. I want to pull four principles out of that story, and I want us to just understand a little bit more about what that is. I'm going to ask you as we're getting started to click on the link on your chat room uh, for, the, for the digital connect card and let me know you're there. If you're watching on Facebook, go into the comments line and, and just uh, type a comment. Let me know that you're here. Share this and let us know, uh, let your friends know that you're watching so they can join us. And if you will, give me just a few minutes to say to you, Jesus died for our sins, yours and mine he conquered death, he conquered hell, he conquered the grave, and because Jesus Christ was resurrected that day, that first Easter Sunday morning, you and I can have a resurrection story too. The story that I want us to look at is found in Luke chapter 15, and again, it's the familiar story of the prodigal son. The story simply of a wealthy man who had two sons, and one of them, the youngest of the two, came to his dad one day and said, you know what, dad, <coughs> I've had enough of this farm work. I'm not doing this anymore. I, I want you to liquidate some of your assets. I want you to sell some of your land. I want you to give me my share in the inheritance because I'm out of here. Most, most surprising part of the story, I suppose, is that the father did it. He, he actually gave him the money, and he found himself going away. Luke chapter 15, verse 13 says it this way. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth <coughs> in wild living. Th those words squandered and wild kind of give you a clear picture, don't they? I mean, it's wine, women, and song until the money's gone and the music's over, the mic drops, the inheritance is gone. D do I need to spell that out for what that means to us as a nation? Do I need to to lay out the parallel for you, a nation that was founded on Christian principles, a nation that has enjoyed God's favor for a couple of centuries, a very long time, but let's be honest, a nation who for a very long time now has been more intent on enjoying our abundance than in valuing our relationship with the God who has blessed us to be who we are, a nation that is suddenly facing global pandemic and a crumbling economy which is exactly where this young man found himself. The nation where he was living at the time found itself in famine, and he's starving. He can't get a job anywhere. He winds up working in a pigsty. This nice, kosher Jewish boy is reduced to working with the pigs. He's even jealous of the pigs because at least they get to eat. Maybe you haven't gone that far away from God and your faith as a priority in your life, but maybe during this season you've been 
realizing that you haven't prioritized your relationship with God at a level that you once did or that he's asking you to, calling you to, and you're paying a price for it. I believe he sent you here right now to hear this white-haired preacher say, there's a resurrection story in place for you, and I want you to tell it. I want you to live it. I want you to experience it. So in these few minutes, I want to give you two do's and two don'ts to having your own resurrection story. Very quickly, two do's, two don'ts. Then I'm going to ask you if you want your own resurrection story. Do number one is if you want to get past the season that we're in, you've got to ask God for his perspective. Do ask for God's perspective. Let's pick up our story again, Luke 15, verse 17, that simply says, when he came to his senses. We'll look at the rest of the verse in a minute. But for now, what, 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 what I need you to understand is a huge part of this young man's resurrection story was about gaining perspective huge part of your own resurrection story is going to be about getting perspective too. And I know that's incredibly hard to do in uncertain times, especially when you're uncertain about your relationship with God. But you need to know when you don't have God's perspective in life, you set yourself up to be prey to one of Satan's extremes. And I've seen both. You've seen both of those extremes in our times. On the one hand, you've got the perfectionism that, that says, oh, I have to navigate this thing perfectly or, or I'm doomed. I have to wash my hands constantly. I can't touch anything. I can't be in contact with anybody. If somebody sneezes, they say, oh, allergies, allergies, because we're all living in fear of not doing this perfectly. I, can, I, can I tell you something I've learned about myself? I've learned that I am not capable of washing my hands for 20 seconds. I can't do it. I've learned that I touch my face 7 million times a day, which means, I guess, I'm doomed. I don't know. The other extreme from this perfectionism, though, is called catastrophizing. That's actually a word, catastrophizing. Without God's perspective, that's exactly what happens is your imagination begins to run wild and these worst case computer models just become the reality for you and everything. Everybody's going to die and everybody's going to face this. There's nothing we can do. We're all doomed. Don't misunderstand me. COVID-19 is a real problem. It's a real tragedy. And yes, there are thousands, tens of thousands of people who have had to endure this, and thousands have died. But that's only a small percentage of our nation and our world, and an even smaller percentage that die from this thing. Frankly, whether you get to one extreme or another, the perfectionism or the, the, the catastrophizing, either way, the only way you get through this is to get your perspective back, and that's God's perspective. And here's the truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. God is at work. All you have to do is be sure you're one of those who loves him, loves him back because he loved you first. So the first step in getting your own resurrection story is to get your perspective back. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God wants to bless you receive that perspective, let it wash over you. The second part of your journey is a don't. And that is don't compare yourself. Back to our story, part of the prodigal's 
uh, problem was that he had an older brother who was a you know, play by the rules, honor, uh, honor rolls, straight up, straight arrow, obey God, daddy pleaser kind of guy. Okay, that's not nice. He was a, he was a hardworking, conscientious, obedient son. Okay, that's who he was. But in fact, he described himself more like I did. Luke 15, 28 and 9. The older brother answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Now, I know this, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but it's fair to say that the, the son who messed up was sitting in the pig pen back in that far country, no doubt during that time had some thoughts about his older brother and he probably spent some time comparing himself to his older brother and he may well have found himself saying, man, if I was a little more like him, maybe I wouldn't be in this mess that I'm in. The problem is that the more the prodigal compared himself with his brother or anybody else, the further he got from his own resurrection story. It's, it's one of the mistakes that I'm seeing all the time these days. I mean, you turn on the news, you, you, you read the news online. It's, just, it's the mistakes that we're just constantly comparing. How, this is how this country did it, and that's how that country did it, and, and our country's doing it wrong because that country did it that way, and this state is doing it that way, and that state's doing it that way. And, and we're just con- not, not, in, not in a way of learning best practices or trying to figure out the best way to approach this, but just comparing to say who's the best and who's the worst. I, we're not going to get there by doing that. And I know it comes naturally. I mean, it's hard not to compare. I mean, from our youngest days, uh, we had those kind of comparisons. You, you guys remember the days of, of picking teams for kickball? I, just, I do, man. I remember them. I mean, here's the journey. First, they would, they would pick two captains out of the crowd. I was never one of them. Then the captains would pick their teams, one after the other, and I was never one of them. And then finally they picked me because that was the only one left. And, I, and some jock would say, don't touch the ball, Jim. If you do, don't drool on it. I mean, it was just some nasty thing like that because I wasn't all that athletic as a young boy. Those things tend to scar you over time. But it's the reality of what human beings often do. It's the natural thing that human beings do. Now, don't misunderstand me. Competition can be good. It sharpens us. It brings out our best. It stretches us. It matures us, all that. It can also crush our spirit if we find ourselves comparing ourselves with other people all the time to say, who's the best? And he's better than me or he's not as good as me. Instead, remember that God created your uniqueness. Psalm 139, 13, 14, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. That tells me God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. He made you to be you. In fact, your job is to be the best you that honors him. Hear me, when you stand before God on the final day, he is not going to ask you why you weren't more like somebody else. He is going to ask you, what did you do about my son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins? And what did you do with the gifts and talents and uniqueness that I gave you for the purpose for which I made you? So in your journey to your own resurrection story, Do get God's perspective on what's going on. Don't compare yourself with others. Instead, ask yourself, how can I be all that God made me to be?
The third principle from our little story is another do, and that is do confess. If you want to get past what you're in now, you've got to face it. You've got to deal with it. You've got to get honest with yourself and with God. The prodigal said, once he got perspective and stopped comparing, verse 18 of Luke 15, I, now I know what I'm going to do. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He knew that the journey back included confession. Understand the Bible always links restoring relationships with honest confession. Whether we're talking about human relationships or a relationship with God, relationships that have been damaged or broken are not healed until there is honest confession. That includes your relationship with God. And that might be scary when it comes to relating to some people but you never have to be afraid of honest confession with God because we know how he's going to respond. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to wonder how God's going to respond when you get honest with him about where you've been and what you've done or what you've failed to do. He will always receive you and he will always forgive you. Well, pastor, I've done that and I still don't feel forgiven. Maybe it's because you're still comparing human forgiveness with divine forgiveness. They are not the same thing. You need to understand that there are very different Things. There are different dynamics. In fact, you need to understand people's forgiveness often doesn't include forgetting. You know, they'll, they'll say, I forgive, I forgive you, but let something happen where they may be losing an argument and before you know it, they remember it and they bring it back up and they'll come after you with it and you know that they'll throw it at you, but that's not how God forgives. Isaiah 43, 25, God remembers your sin no more. The second thing I want you to understand is that people's forgiveness has limits, but God's does not. And most people will forgive minor stuff. They say, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's no big deal. It's all right. I forgive you. But they draw a line somewhere along the way when, when it crosses over what they consider to be big stuff. But hear me, God doesn't have a line. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Hear me. When you are honest with yourself and God, you've just taken a huge step toward your own resurrection story. And that's what King Jesus wants for you. So, do get God's perspective. That's a turning point. That's the beginning of a fresh start with God. Don't compare yourself with other. Everybody has to make their own way back to God. Your job right now is to focus on King Jesus and who he made you to be. Do confess. Get honest with yourself and him about where you've been and what you've done, what you failed to do. Clear the air with him. Clear your conscience and your heart with him. Accept his forgiveness. You've just taken a leap toward your own resurrection story. And then finally, look forward. 
not backward. That's what the prodigal son did. He developed a plan to go home, to confess to his dad what he'd done, even though he didn't believe that he was worthy to be a son anymore, to be welcomed into the family anymore. He still made this plan to go home and confess to his dad and say, I'm sorry, so go back to the pig pen. Verse uh, 17 again of Luke 15, when he came to his senses, in other words, he got his perspective back. He said, I will set out and go back to my father. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. There are so many rich truths in that simple exchange between father and son. But for now, hear this. The father welcomed him into the family with open arms. The passage goes on to say he threw a party because the son had come home. That's the image that I want for yourself. That's the image that I want you to have right now. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how far from God you've gone, no matter how complacent you've become in your faith. Maybe you've been in church every Sunday, but if you're honest with yourself, you've been going through the motions for a while. No matter what's been going on in your life, you get honest with him and watch him. Watch him welcome you back give you a fresh start and a new beginning. That's available to you. That's yours. Do we, do we know how long this pandemic's going to last? No, we don't know. Do we know what's going to happen next? No, we don't. But there is one thing I do know. Jesus Christ died in our place. He was resurrected from the dead that first Easter. And because Jesus is king, you can have your own resurrection story. You can have a new beginning, a fresh start, a brand new life today. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. We have a fresh start in him. My prayer is that you'll accept that offer of fresh beginnings right here right now. In fact, would you pray a simple prayer with me right there where you are? Simple prayer. Close your eyes, open your eyes, say it out loud, whisper it softly. I don't care, but say a prayer with me. Jesus, King Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am, but loving me enough to tell me the truth about where I am and bringing me to you. Give me a fresh start today. I'm so sorry for the things that I've done, the sins that you died for that I committed. I'm so sorry. I'm asking you now to give me forgiveness, give me a fresh start, give me a new life. Let Easter 2020 be the day that I point to as my resurrection Sunday, the pivot point in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that that's available to me I accept you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. I'm so excited that you prayed that prayer with me. I want you to know that he accepts you by the authority of God's word. You get a fresh start today. 
And I want you to stay with me for just a couple minutes. And in fact, I want you to get that connect card out or get your phone out and, and text new life to 55498. I want you to let me know that you've made that commitment so that we can pray with you and for you. And while you're doing that, I want you to, to get a glimpse into who he really is. Get an understanding of who Jesus the King is. God bless you on this Easter Sunday.